Hello, and welcome to another message from Aldinga Bay Baptist Church. If you'd like to find out more about us or what we believe, please visit aldingabaybaptist.org.au. We will be reading from 1 Peter um, chapter 1, verse 13 to 25. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile way, from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Thanks for now. Good morning, everybody. It's a real privilege to bring God's Word, and uh, this is such a rich passage. And uh, my prayer is that you'll be blessed as we go through God's Word together. Necessarily, um, I can't cover off on every aspect of God's Word because it's it's multifaceted. There's so much uh, to learn. And I really wanted to encourage you guys in your private devotions to dig in to 1 Peter and look at it for yourselves and explore and find those gold nuggets that God has for you. Um, I'm praying that today um, it'll just be an opportunity for you to to whet your appetite uh, for God's Word. And uh, Chris said last week that there's probably five sermons in what he preached. That's true. Uh, and uh, probably in, in this week also, uh, I could preach five sermons. Uh, and necessarily, I'm going to be going through four points. That's scary, isn't it, when you hear four points? Because sermons are three points. <laughs> There's going to be four today. Um, and I, I want to say also that the first two are longer than the last two, because I don't want to scare you. I don't want you thinking we're going to be home at four in the afternoon or something like that. Um, I'm, I'm labouring the first two points a little bit more than the last two. Um, And I've just picked out four things uh, out of the Scripture that have just really blessed me. There's more there. There's so much more there. So I just encourage you guys uh, to dig in for yourselves, as I say. How about we pray before I begin? Father, uh, we seal our hearts now as we come around your Word. 
Father, once again, uh, we want to submit our lives to you afresh. Father, I pray that you'll use my words this morning. Father, I pray uh, that you'll just see the meditations of our heart. And uh, Father, you'll give us that good gift that you have for us today. From your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 1. Chris began it last week, set us on our way. If you haven't heard that sermon, by the way, I really encourage you to go back and listen to it online because it lays a comprehensive foundation for the rest of 1 Peter. So it's worthwhile going back over and having a listen to. The very first word in the scripture that I'm bringing today is therefore. And therefore is an interesting word because it looks back on what Peter has already said in the first chapter. There's a shift in focus. Peter begins the book, begins his letter by talking about the most magnificent salvation that we had, that we have in Christ Jesus. And I just felt like I really wanted to go back and steal some of Chris's territory because he stole some of mine last week. I, I, I couldn't help but want to go back and look at it again because it sets the foundation. So I just want to look at verses 3 to 5 and I'll read them out to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us, that's you and I, if we know Jesus, Lord and Saviour, to be born again, made new, a new creature. To a living hope, a lively hope, it says in the King James. This hope that animates us. It's not, gee, one day I hope that I'll win the lottery. Not much chance if I don't go in it. It's not some obscure hope. It's this living hope founded in, as it says on from there, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Peter, who wrote this letter, saw the risen Lord. He touched him. He sat with him on the beach and had breakfast. He's saying, the hope we have is founded in Jesus rising from the dead. And he was a first-hand eyewitness of this event. What a wonderful hope we have through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance. What is this inheritance? Chris looked at it last week. It is so many things. It is Jesus himself as our brother. It's an eternity of peace with God. It's the wrath of God turned away from you. Magnificent to an inheritance that is imperishable, unlike everything else on this earth, which is perishable, which will pass away. We have this inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, undefiled. Think of that word. It comes from the hand of a loving God who knows how to give good gifts to his children. Undefiled inheritance and unfading. If you're young here today, maybe in your 20s, if you you reach the ripe old age of 80, something like Nelson or something like that, the inheritance is still going to be there. The hope of the gospel is still going to be there. It's not going to be something where you get to be an old person, you look back and say, I remember when I believed that, now it's faded. No, it's going to be there for you all through your life. I love that. Kept in heaven for you. Verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith. He puts the faith in us. God's the one who starts us on this journey of faith. He bookends our faith. He begins us on the journey and he knows how to get us through to the end. Do you know it's for God's namesake? 
to save us. He loves to be a gracious God. It's to His glory that He saves us because He wants to honour the Son who died that we might be saved. Nigel doesn't have a good hold of God. God has a good hold of Nigel. God has a good hold of you and it's to His glory to bring you home. He knows how to do that. You can rest in that. Amen? Isn't that magnificent? You will stumble through this life. You will struggle in various ways. You will sin and have to come back to God again and He will mercifully wash you and clean you and set you on your way again. You can trust in that foundation. That foundation will never be moved. This is what Peter's talking about in 1 Peter chapter 1. It goes on to talk about even our sufferings, even all the bad things that can happen to us, from, to quote Chris, stubbing our toe to spending 14 years in prison for, for your faith. Whatever happens, God is able to redeem, to work Christ-like qualities in you, even the bad stuff. How good is that? I'm just going to give you a moment to think about that. Hmm. And so we come to uh, verse 13, therefore. It's a shift in emphasis, but it's very important that we understand what comes first. God's blessing comes first. He blesses us. And then we have the opportunity to respond to Him. And the second half of 1 Peter details how we can respond to this great salvation. This therefore moment in verse 13 is pivotal in the chapter. This therefore moment is our response. 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. This therefore moment is our worship. We like the blind man in John 9. He, he has a big day, the blind man does. He wakes up one day, Jesus heals him and he sees. Grown adult, never seen any day in his life. Jesus heals him when he sees for the first time and he sees Jesus for who he really is, the Son of God. What is his response? He bows in there and worships. Therefore, worship. This therefore moment is our offering. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God because of what he has done for us. This therefore moment is our expression of gratitude grace-filled activity in our lives to others because of the incredible grace that he has shown to us. This therefore moment is our surrender defined. We talk about I surrender all. We sing about it. What does it mean to surrender to God? It's Christian living mapped out is what we're going to look at today. Please hear the emphasis. We don't do good works, we don't try hard in order to get God's grace. We get God's grace, He cleans us, He washes us, and then we get the chance and the opportunity to respond to that grace. You understand the foundation is that we are accepted, we are chosen, we are washed, we are made new, and we get the opportunity of responding to the hope of this salvation. So let's look at verse 13. That's the first word, therefore. We're going to the next word. No, it's going to be a long, it's going to be a long sermon. 
Verse 13, therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your hope. The first thing that Peter's saying is, set your hope there. Because of the glory, because of the magnificence of what God's done, make sure that we keep our eyes set on that hope. Peter's language is quite strong. Preparing your minds for action being sober-minded. And I was reflecting on this. Why does he use such strong language? And I think at least part of the reason is that Nigel is so easily distracted by the things around about me. My eyes are easily shifted from looking at the glory of the Lord to the things of this world, and there's lots of them. And to be fair, some of them are worthy of our attention. We need to be good stewards in this life. Um, We need to consider our finances. We need to consider family. These are some of the distractions of this life. I've got aged parents. I was in in Flinders with my dad yesterday for 20 hours in emergency. We need to uh, have a heart for those other people and step out in our world and, and work in this world. We want to be liked personality issues. There's wars going on in our world, in the Ukraine. There's looming wars in other parts of the world. We're distracted by lots of things, and some of these things are worthy of our attention. I'm not saying that we should turn our back on those things, but it's so easy for our eyes to slip from the great hope that we have. It's so easy to lean too heavily on the things of this world. In Matthew 13, Jesus uh, gives the parable of the sower. And most of you will know it, but in summary, there's a a guy sowing seed. Imagine him with a bag with seed in it. He's tossing seed around and some falls on the path and the birds come and immediately snatch it away. Some falls on hard ground and it shoots up, but because its soil is only very uh, a small amount of soil, it dies very quickly when the sun comes up. Some seed falls amongst thorns and grows, but then the thorns strangle it. And some seed falls on good soil and it grows up and has a good crop. Jesus says, this seed is the word of God, the word of the kingdom, he says. The soil is our heart. And I wanted to concentrate on the third one, the thorns, the good seed sown in our lives. And Jesus explained the parable and said, the thorns is the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. The cares of this world, many of them good cares, the deceitfulness of riches, going after coin, going after trying to have security in this life, strangles the life out of the good word that God has given to us. I have to ask a question today. Are you choking? Are you choking? Are there things in your life, difficulties that you face, and we all face them, that are strangling the life out of God's good word? Peter's encouragement here is to prepare your minds for action because it's going to be a battle to keep your eyes fixed on the grace of God. Be intentional about that. Hold on 
to that which is unchangeable, that which will never pass away. Set your hope there. Horatio Spafford lost most of his fortune in a Chicago fire. Many of you will know his story. He lost a lot of his properties. Shortly after, his four-year-old son died of scarlet fever. And a year after that, he decided to send his family away, his wife and four daughters, to England. Time for a holiday. Things have been bad. Lost his son, lost his fortune. Sent his wife and four daughters across the Atlantic to England. During the crossing, the boat hit a Scottish vessel and sunk. His wife was saved and his four daughters were lost. His wife sent him a, not a text, no. His wife sent him a, I don't know, a letter, I suppose, old, old style letter, <laughs> dispatch, to say, all is lost, what shall I do? He got in a boat and he went over the Atlantic to be with his wife. During the crossing, the captain called him into his cabin and said, this is the spot where the ship sunk, where you lost your four daughters. <laughs> Soon after, he wrote uh, one of the most famous hymns. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. How powerful is that? That weren't just words. That was his experience. I love how it starts though, when peace like a river attendeth my way. Sometimes things are going right. But when things are going right, let's not lose sight of our Lord. In the good times and the bad, let's set our hope that set our compass bearing for heaven, for his grace, that we may have activity in this life where we're dispensing that grace and turning other people's eyes to the great hope of the kingdom. Set your hope. Secondly today, therefore be holy, verses 14 to 16. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Again, thinking closely about Peter's words, look how he refers to his readers and by extension to us. He says, as obedient children. That, that's how we are in the eyes of God. Do you know that? With all of our brokenness, we've been washed, we've been cleaned. God the Father looks upon us as his children. Peter refers to us in our new identity. We are new people. We've been born again. We've been baptised, we've been washed, and we've been included. We've been brought into the kingdom. We were once children of wrath. We were once deserving of God's judgment but we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Wow. Let that be the foundation that we launch from when we are trying to do the right thing and to follow him. Something's happened deep within our heart, and I wanted to just dwell upon that for a moment.
Ezekiel 36, verse 26, And I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. The work of the Spirit of God changing our hearts. Our heart is not like a hard rock anymore, impervious. Our heart is sensitive. We've got a heart that knows when we've done the wrong thing because of the Spirit of God who indwells us. It's magnificent. And and secondly, in Romans 8, Romans 8.15, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This great God, we were under his wrath. Now we're included in the family, as I've said before. This is the deal of what Peter's saying, I think. We once conformed to the ways of this world because we were ignorant and we just went along with the flow. We did as we pleased because we didn't know any better. We were selfish. We had disordered passions. We clamoured for recognition. We lived for today. We were proud. And the command about doing unto others, I will do unto others as I jolly well please. Don't tell me what to do. That's how we lived. But we are no longer ignorant. We met Jesus. This idea of the law of the jungle, this idea of dog eat dog, eat or be eaten, climb to the top of the pack at all costs, it's checked because we met Jesus who on the cross looked down on his enemies and said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Guess who he looked down on? He looked down on you and he looked down on me as enemies of God. And, it, and that law of just do what you want to do is checked because of the glory of Jesus who gave all for us and offered forgiveness. We have been confronted with truth and grace and love and inclusion. A bit like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus had a changed life. Why? He was a despised, wretched fellow and Jesus drew him aside and just had a meal with him, came back to his house, invited himself back to Zacchaeus' house. And Zacchaeus is so touched by God's grace that he says, if I've defrauded anyone, in other words, if I've ripped anybody off, I'll repay them four times as much back. Zacchaeus wasn't ignorant any longer. He, he saw glory. He saw grace. He saw truth. And you and I who know the Lord today, we're in the same boat. We've experienced that grace. You are no longer ignorant. Andrew used to have a saying uh, to keep short accounts with God. I love that. It's the idea of when you fall, when you know you haven't met the standard that God has for you, sort it out quickly. Go to God quickly. Don't justify your sin. Don't justify your wrongdoing. Get on your knees. 
and make it right with Jesus. The second point, therefore, be holy. And when you fall, remember the grace of God. See, we're halfway there. It's not too bad, was it? That was the the long parts. Uh, More briefly now, uh, point three, walk in awe. I'll read out verses 17 to 19. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. This really speaks about God's judgment and about the fact that we have averted God's judgment. I want you to know something about God's judgment. I want you just to go with me on this for a bit. God's judgment is without partiality. There's terror in God's judgment. His holy, perfect judgment. He sees every thought. He knows all the intentions of your heart. He knows every careless word you've spoken and every bad deed. He's exacting in his judgment. There's no leniency. Go with me on this. There's no leniency. There's no escape. And there's no hope. But then came Jesus. God himself, clothed in human flesh, who did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves by dying in our place. He took the wrath of God, God's judgment on wrongdoing, and set us free. And all we need to do is to look to Jesus. Peter's saying here, about the cost, what it cost God to bring us back to himself. It wasn't with garbage like gold, (laughs) fickle stuff like that, $2 shop stuff. It was with God's blood. God himself shed his blood for us. Wow. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. We weren't redeemed with gold or silver. We were redeemed with God's own blood. The eternal God. Jesus on the cross saying, I don't know how to pronounce it, Eli, Eli, Labak Sakthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God the Son, who had been in eternal communion with God the Father, was broken at that point in order that we might come in. Wow. I wanted to put out a gospel invitation this morning. If there's people here who don't know the Lord as Lord and Saviour, the gospel is simply this. God made a perfect world and he made humanity to be in relationship with God made you and I to be in relationship with God. But each and every one of us, Nigel, you guys, we've all in one way or another turned our back on God and said, I'll do it myself. I'll do it my way. And God in his holy judgment said the punishment of sin, the punishment of wrongdoing, the punishment of turning your back on God is death, hell, 
eternal separation from the living God. But at that point of desperation, when we had no hope, God sent his son to die for us in our place. And the gospel is simply this, that we get on our knees and say, Lord, you be the Lord. I will follow you every day of my life. That's the gospel. And Jesus said, it is finished and you are included in the family of God. Your sins are washed away. Magnificent. Get lost in this mystery. The third point is walk in awe. Get lost in this mystery. Jesus isn't just your best friend. He's not just your Lord. He's not just your saviour. He's your greatest treasure. After the service today, I've asked Henry if he'll join me down the front. Um, and if there's people here who want to know more about um, salvation, who want us to put materials in your hand or want us to pray for you now, you can come into the kingdom today and your eternity can be secured. We want to encourage that. Also following the service today, if you just want to make it right, maybe you're here, maybe you're putting on a Christian face, um, but there's things going on in your life and you want prayer, we'd just like to be able to pray with you. After the service is finished, before people, well, before you go out for coffee, come down the front, I invite you to, and we'll pray for you. Uh, point four, uh, love earnestly, verses 22 and 23. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. The fourth point is loving earnestly. You know, if God is cleaning us up on the inside, if he's doing something in our hearts, you would think that that would then show in our communities in the way we relate one with another. I read this quote, and I think it's from John Stott. Christ's new community of purified people, that's you and I, this community here. Christ's new community of purified people is to be characterised by unhypocritical brotherly love. Unhypocritical. That means we don't just use our words, but we actually have our actions as well. We're actually reaching out to one another. Sometimes it means getting your hands dirty. Sometimes it means gently and lovingly confronting that we might be a genuine community of believers because of what Christ has done for us. Romans 15, 7, if I can find it. I love this scripture. Therefore, another therefore, therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. How has Christ welcomed you? I'll tell you how he welcomed me. He saw it all. He saw all the rubbish. He saw the pride, saw the brokenness. And he looked on me with love. And he forgave me those things. And he drew me into the kingdom. How has Christ welcomed you? Let us welcome one another in the same way. Therefore set your hope, therefore be holy, therefore walk in awe, 
therefore love earnestly. There's a concluding part in verse 24 and 25. Sometimes I love the little words in Scripture. They mean so much. And here we had this interesting word in the beginning of verse 24, and it's the word for. And it's another concluding statement, another reason for following God. Another reason for living your life daily for the kingdom. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Your life on this earth will be forgotten. Sorry to say that. Your children will remember you. Your grandchildren will remember you in a hazy way. Your great-grandchildren probably won't. Any further on and you'll be on Ancestry.com. That's it. It's <laughs> probably just a name. Maybe. And probably not a very remarkable name either in some ways, you know. Oh, look at great-great-grandfather Nigel who lived down at Port Lunga. That's great. I'll put that up on my wall. All the achievements that we have in this life are going to come to nothing. The things that we do for ourselves will come to nothing. This is the four clause at the end. Living for him, because that is the only thing that's not going to perish. The hope that we have in him. Listen to this for a quote. Man in his utmost flourish and glory is still a withering, fading, dying creature. Man in his utmost flourish and glory is still a withering, fading, dying creature. His wit, beauty, strength, vigour, wealth, honour, these are but the flower of grass which soon withers and dies away. But we've been born again. We've been born again to a living hope that will never end. We have peace with God. And we have the great privilege of responding to the gospel. What a privilege. We get to live forever with him and it's good reasons to live for him today. My encouragement is that you take these therefores into your week and live for him. Let's pray. Oh, Father, it's just glorious to have your word and uh, to be instructed through your word, Father. Father, we do thank you for the way you order your word. Father, we see uh, you giving immeasurably to us. Uh, In Ephesians 1, it talks about the grace that you lavish upon us, Lord. And we just bask in your grace today, Father, that you've lavished upon us. Father, we thank you that you loved us when we were unlovely and you called us to be your own. Father, we thank you that we don't only have grace uh, at the beginning of our journey with you at the point of salvation, but we continue to feed on your grace in all of our days. Father, I ask you to bless this community of believers. Lord, I pray for this uh, local community of Aldinga and Port Wollonga and Selix. Father, I pray that they would look at us and say, that's different. 
Look at those people, they're loving one another. Where did that come from? Father, I pray that we might turn people's eyes to you. In Jesus' name.